This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up and coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences. And we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So let's get started. We're at a time when anybody can call themselves a coach, even call themselves a career coach. You know, the hardest thing in getting yourself to stand out from the rest of the coaches out there so people can really understand you and how you're different and ultimately how you can help them. So today I'm bringing on the, the founder of Happen to Your Career, Scott Anthony Barlow, and the original host of the podcast. You know, I couldn't think of a better way to start season five of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. And through Happen to Your Career, you know, we've been able to help thousands of people move towards work that truly fits them. And at the same time, we've also been able to help lots of people become career coaches, open up their businesses, or do both. And today, we're going to talk, uh, Scott and I, we're going to talk a little bit about how to differentiate yourself as a coach, but also how you need to realize that running a coaching business is more than just one-on-one conversations with clients. So as Scott and I start our conversation on the starter of season five of this podcast, we begin discussing something that most people, well, most people miss. One of the things that isn't always obvious when you hear a podcast like this, or you hear stories of coaches on the podcast, or you listen to the Happen to Your Career podcast, which is where this brand started long before we were training career coaches, long before we had a series of podcasts. Now we have what, seven different podcasts. Some Mm -hmm. are audio course structure and some are ongoing season, like the one that you are running as the host, how how to become a career coach. And long before all of that, I think that people miss that 100% of the things that we do really successfully are about solving problems. And not just solving problems, but solving problems for really very specific groups of people. Literally everything that we can point to and uh, that has been semi-successful in one way or another, we can trace back to it is helping a very specific group of people solve some really very large problems in their life and in their world. So if I might uh, go back to how happened your career was formed in the first place, if we go way back, it really, it wasn't me going, you know what? I really want to become a coach. I think I should just become a coach. And that would be amazing. In reality, I'd already been doing coaching for quite a while. I'd been doing coaching in HR and HR leadership. I had trained as a coach for, at that point, about about a decade. I'd led coaching trains, all kinds of things like that was already there in some way or another. But the way that happened to your career came about is my wife and I were getting ready to move to Omaha, Nebraska. 
And we were getting ready to move to Omaha because who moves to Omaha, Nebraska? That's not necessarily like a place most people are like, yeah, I want to move there. If only I could move to Omaha, Nebraska. And don't get me wrong, Omaha was great. We actually really thought we might love it. But the reason we were over there is because I had the company that I was working with at the time that was courting me, for lack of a better phrase. They were wanting me to come and move to Omaha to take on some different roles. And this was all in prep to move into the vice president track in working in and around HR. And that's the track that I thought that I wanted to be on for so many years. And so Alyssa and I went and did this. We literally talked to people about building houses. We picked out churches. Like we went over there and it was wonderful as part of the plan. And then we got back after that last trip. And right before making the decision about, is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? And we were staring at each other across the island that was in our kitchen at the time. And she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and we're trying to decide, what do we need to do next? And it kind of just came out for both of us. It's like, you know what? This is silly. Why are we doing this? Because we realized that we really wanted to be in Moses Lake, Washington, where we are now, where we live currently, where Philip, you and part of our team came up not yeah. that long ago, just a few weeks back. And we were having this conversation, realized like, why would we do this? Why would we move to Omaha, Nebraska, someplace that is very nice, but not necessarily where we wanted to be? You know, why would we pursue the VP track to make a little bit more money, pursue the resume experience, if you will, just so that then a couple of years later, we could come back and do what we really wanted to do, which was be here in Moses Lake, Washington with our family and around many of the other things that we wanted out of life. Okay. That was a huge upset. And then that caused me to think about, okay, if I'm not going to do this, if I'm not, if I'm no longer going on the VP track, what on earth am I going to do? And here's what happened. This is part of how happened. Your career was born. Realized that, well, after a semi-awkward conversation with, with my boss and boss's boss at the time, because they'd been helping me go this track for quite a while. But I started thinking about what am I already doing and how can I fill a need? Because I wanted to go back to my own business and I wanted to be able to do that. I, I had my own business previously. And I realized that something that was already there that people were asking for was this type of help making career changes from one place to another. I had coworkers that had asked me like, how did you make a change from operations into HR? And I'd had coworkers that were like, Hey, how did you get a $40,000 increase? And all of these and friends that were asking me for help and they were sending me thank you notes. And this was already happening. I was just having some of these conversations where people would buy me coffee, take me out to coffee. And I would talk to them about like how they can make this type of change in their life. And I do a little bit of coaching and they're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I really didn't set out to create happen to your career. It was that intersection of being at a huge turning point in my life and paying attention to what people wanted and needed, paying attention to those problems for that very specific group of people. And that's what led to happen to your career much later. <laughs> Not the only thing that's uh, you know, turning it into a much smaller story. However, that's it. And that comes back to what I think you're asking about. What is the foundation that you're asking about, Philip? Yeah. It's that foundation about how this business came about. One of the things before we hit record today that I was complimenting Scott on and, and just internally on, on our team. And we're about to, at this time of this recording, we're about to embark on a very big adventure that I can't just tell everybody about 
just yet. However, it's something that is both exciting and actually really terrifying to be yeah. super frank and honest. But this aspect of what I've always admired about you, Scott, is that this ability to be thinking bigger, but not just about how can we just keep doing what we're doing? And yeah, we could just keep coaching people one-on-one and do that and just do that really well and keep operating that space. But in fact, it's more about how can we be helping people really, as you mentioned, solve these problems in career change? How can we be serving our people better? And how can we be helping them to get to their problems or get them through these career changes at a faster rate and move them even further to what they even thought was possible? And this doesn't always mean we have to work with them on a one-on-one capacity. This can happen in so many different realms. So first of all, thank you for letting me be part of the team. And second is for individuals, but for our listeners here and thinking and thinking about themselves in my mind, more than just a coach, but as we continue to differentiate ourselves going forward, how do you advise people think about that? But how have you thought about that? And how could people begin to start differentiating themselves moving forward? Yeah. First of all, thanks for the compliments. I, we spend a lot of time here in our organization trying to continue to align, not just myself, but everyone on the team more and more with our strengths. That way we are contributing in more and more unique ways. And that's just one portion of how we differentiate ourselves as an organization, as a company, and ultimately for what people see when they seek out help from us or seek out this type of help. But aside from that, advice about how people can think bigger. There's all kinds of things that you can do functionally. Mm. Like we had James Altersher on the Happened to Your Career podcast a while back and got to have a really fun conversation with James. And one of the things that I admire from James, and James, if you haven't heard of him, he's written a number of books, really well known for some very extreme behaviors. Things like he literally condensed his belongings down to just 10 items and what he could fit in a trash bag. And then it got rid of everything else that he owned under his name as an experiment. So he's done lots of different things like this. However, he also has some really interesting thoughts around big ideas and doing things much bigger. And one of the things that he does that's very functional that I think everyone can do if we're looking at a a tactical basis is he will write down 10 ideas every single day, like no exception. That's something he does religiously because he believes, and there's a lot of good research to support this, that if he's practicing generating ideas, then he's going to be able to generate ideas far better than the average person. And the results he's been able to achieve in that area, in that arena, are very supportive of that. (laughs) But I think that that's something that everybody could do very easily. Take 10 minutes a day and generate 10 ideas and just write them down. And the practice isn't to generate good ideas. It's just to get your brain thinking about other ways to essentially like solve problems. That's a lot of times what ideas are there for in one way or another. Not always, but that's one very, very functional way. Aside from that, if we're going less functional and less tangible, I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give you is to strategically look for how you can go deeper and deeper 
into doing things that scare you. What do you mean by that? So let me give you some examples here. Along that whole thread of practice, if you want to create bigger ideas, if you want to think bigger, it's not just something that people do for the most part. Even if your strengths are predisposed to lean towards thinking bigger or doing ideas, and mine are in some ways, like I am very futuristic. I can't stop thinking about the future. If you look at Strength Finder, then connectivity and connectedness is something that is pretty high on the scale for me. So the interrelation of different ideas and connecting things together, input, like continually collecting different types of inputs, those are all things that actually fuel ideas in one way or another. But even if that's not you, even if your strengths have nothing to do with bigger ideas, this is still something that functionally you can practice. And I found one of the biggest ways to practice this is expose yourself to new and different things. And I think one of the easiest ways that will help you is looking for those opportunities that support your other goals that also allow you to get outside your comfort zone. There's a lot of ways that I do this personally, and you'll have to find your own right ways to be able to pull yourself again and again outside your comfort zone. For me, I am very collaborative. I know that about myself. And I know that if I, like for you on our team, Philip and Mm -hmm. Josh on our team and Kathy on our team and our coaches that are on our team, Mo and Jennifer and like everybody that's on our team. If I tell you all that we're going to do something, I feel a really deep seated obligation to do that. Even if it scares the living crap out of me. So I, I know that about myself and I use that to my advantage in many different ways. And also to the team's advantage, because if I commit something like that to you all, then I'm going to find a way to do it because <laughs> I, care about what, I care about what you all think of me and I care about making good on my commitments to you all personally. There's a lot of things, a lot of psychology pieces that are tied up in there for me, but that's something I know works for me. Another example, because not all of these might work for you, but Another example of that would be creating places where, creating situations where you have a stake, like essentially establishing stakes. Interestingly enough, there are, there's some websites around this. You've probably heard of some of these. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, I'm now struggling to think of exactly what they're called, but like websites where you go on and you put down a, put down a hundred bucks or put down a thousand bucks and say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And if I do this thing, I get my hundred bucks back. If I don't, I'm essentially paying a hundred bucks. So that's an example, very small way of creating stakes. It doesn't have to happen with money or one of those websites, but there's a lot of other ways that you can create stakes too. For me, another way to do that is setting up an event. Philip, you remember last year where we did an event in Orlando, Florida, specifically for career coaches? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... (laughs) I don't know if we talked about this actually, but maybe we did. Maybe we did. But for me, that's something that we had said we wanted to try Mm. and we wanted to do in one way or another. And even though it was a pretty small event in the scheme of things, like it, it still scared me. Let's be honest. Like I was still apprehensive about it and I could probably convince myself not to do it. But because we said, okay, we want to experiment with this. And because we put a date on the calendar and an actual event around it, then I essentially had to go forward. So that's another way of creating stakes. 
And there's lots of ways to do this, but creating stakes that are meaningful for you allow you to pull yourself along outside of your comfort zone. And when you pull yourself along outside of your comfort zone, that allows you to be able to expand your capabilities. And when you are able to expand your capabilities, that then allows you to be able to go to the next thing, which if we're talking about thinking bigger, it has to be followed by acting bigger Mm -hmm. as well. And the best way I know of to act bigger is to keep intentionally getting outside of your comfort zone and then essentially building confidence around that new level of discomfort, which then becomes more comfortable and then moving on to an even higher level of discomfort. And as coaches ourselves, we ask our clients to do the very same thing. So if we aren't doing this or if we aren't pushing ourselves, one as coaches, but also two in, with the life event example you gave in here with in the business sense too, then we're not growing or we're not potentially expanding to the ways that we could help our clients, but even the clients that we haven't earned the opportunity to work with yet, we haven't also figured out different ways that we could potentially be working with those types of people later on. And so I think you bring up a really interesting point about there's a difference between thinking and acting. I know for me, very early on in my career, my coach looked at me and she's like, Philip, we need like 20% or less consumption and like 80 plus percent production. She's, you just are just reading things and you're just like standing behind and you could be actually going out and doing many more of these things. And I know one of the things that internally that you do for our team, Scott, is that not only are you acting on a lot of these things, but often you're thinking through and you're planning about, hey, what's it going to take as far as this big idea here to make this type of thing happen? How much will it take from a time investment side, but what will we do if it doesn't work instead? And I know a part of it is acting. And I think that's a huge part, but I think the other part of this too, and by all means thinking big and thinking yourself as more as coach, but it often comes in the realm of thinking through what each of those steps that's going to require. And if we say yes to this or say yes to this type of activity, what's it going to also take away from and making sure that we're taking massive action, but taking action on those things that matter towards those are working with our strengths, but to our overall priority as well. Yeah. You've got me thinking about a few different, I I think you said something that was really important in that you said several things that were really important, but the one that stood out to me was that it's partially about acting, but then it's partially about thinking. And the thing that I think isn't always obvious to people is when you think about something bigger and then you achieve that something bigger, it opens up a whole new world of what thinking bigger for you personally is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always think about that in stair steps because to get to maybe you can leap up a couple of stairs, (laughs) but for the most part, like there's some limitations there. You have to go from one stair to be able to get to the next stair, to get to the next stair, to get to the next stair. Even if you're sprinting up the stairs and you're taking a few of them at a time, you still have to get to some level of lower stair sets before you can get to the higher stair sets. Or, you know, think almost like a spiral staircase a little bit to be able to see what is beyond that next set of stairs, you have to be able to take a few of them and recognize and expose yourself to that. Hey, wow, if I can do this and I've achieved this, there's a whole new set of possibilities that I've never actually considered before. Uh, And that's how it works in my mind. So if you want to take that 
to a more functional approach besides stairs, then that means that if you're not actively achieving the things that you want to achieve that are important to you, then those new possibilities and bigger possibilities never actually get opened up, no matter how much you practice thinking bigger. There are many exercises that you can do, but I think the biggest piece of advice coming back to your question earlier really is like, how do you achieve the things that really matter to you relentlessly so that it opens up bigger possibilities? So yes to all those things. And I think it adds as we get further and further along, these adds more and more questions and I think more and more details. But really when I think about it, or at least how you talk about it here is that as we think about the stair steps and you can do all these things alone. And I'm I'm sure a lot of our listeners on this podcast have heard me talk about one of my beliefs is that I generally feel like people don't do anything great in this life alone. You're often doing it with other people or you're doing it alongside of other people. And I don't mean this to move into a way of go find your tribe or go find people who the groups and all those things like that. When I think about thinking bigger, when I think about differentiating myself or even at happened your career and all, all the coaching experiences, it's, it's often about how do we move and do things differently that are part of our strengths, but how do we also try to bring in people who often are thinking differently? Internally, when Scott and I, um, when we are creating courses, when we're creating content, I often need a person, Alyssa, Scott's wife, often fills this role for us internally as she's the person who will sometimes call BS on some of our items or she'll be like, guys, this all sounds great, but that makes absolutely no sense at all. And so having that person come in and kind of question exactly what we're thinking about, or even somebody who in my own personal development, operates a little bit higher level, come in and go, hey, we need to be thinking about your time differently. Scott and I recently had that talk about how we appropriate time and think about that on a functional day-to-day and weekly basis, but also from the how do we begin to be exactly acting differently. And I guess from on that note, Scott, when you think about those or when people are at that stage, as far as like the early stage of uh, the coaching, as we talk about from our, a lot of our listeners, they're just thinking about starting coaching businesses. They're in that stage one, one to two. When they're at this stage, when they really need to be operating on a operating on a different mental kind of like scale of like, how can I begin to really move and start this business, become a coach or any of those types of things? What advice would you have for that specific person? How would you advise that person really begin to think about how they're going to be setting themselves up for future success, but setting themselves up for success now. When you're in the starting stages of a business, any business, but especially a coaching business, most often (laughs) it means that you need to focus on creating infrastructure. Well, in the coaching business, Really what allows you to create infrastructure is getting clients. I know there's a lot of arguments out there, lots of arguments. If you go to 15 different blogs, everybody's got a different opinion about when should you move from practice clients into, into paid coaching clients. And, and one of the things that I've found is that the sooner that you do that, because nobody's ever actually ready, 
we've worked with so many people who are like, hey, when I get the certification, then that's going to be the time where I'm going to shift. Or when this happens, that's the time where I'm going to shift. And those decisions are all made from a standpoint of, I think I'll be ready then. Nobody's ever actually ready. So just to burst the bubble now, <laughs> I haven't met anybody who's like, yeah, I'm totally ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Nobody's ever uttered that phrase to me. Instead, it's the opposite way. Like, I don't actually feel like that is, you know, the point in time where I'll be ready. I really want to do this and this and this first. And what we've learned is that the sooner we can get you to paid clients, not even as worrying as much about how much you're getting paid, it gets you to a place where two things happen. Thing number one is it changes the dynamic of the conversation. It changes the dynamic of the relationship. And changing that dynamic allows you to it allows you to go pro essentially because it allows you to feel what that's and practice for reals <laughs> in a situation where you feel compelled to deliver and the other person who is paying you feels compelled to behave differently too because they're paying for it in one way or another. So that's one reason to do that. The other reason is that allows if you have your focus on moving towards paid clients sooner rather than later, that allows you to focus more on what is actually important because all the things that are, I'm going to call them status symbols, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they, they allow us to look like we're successful coaches versus actually be a successful coach. Things like printing out business cards, trying to figure out office space, having all the accounts set up, Website sometimes can be a huge distraction too. I know it was for me personally. I spent way too much time trying to figure out WordPress. End result was I learned WordPress. What would have been a way better usage? Trying to actually help real people. So when you shift the focus to that, it allows you to recognize what actually matters. And what matters to be able to get any kind of clients is having conversations. This is something we teach over and over again inside Every program that we do for coaches, let's shift the focus to having really helpful conversations that lead you towards being able to accept money or accept value exchange for providing a coaching service. And the shortest route to do that is making sure that you're having more conversations with more people. So that's one of the best pieces of advice I would get. Forget about all the other stuff. Forget about it. Like we have helped a lot of people that don't have any websites whatsoever, but they are getting well paid to be a coach. And that's not something that people think about. I'm not saying that a website's bad. Definitely not. We're spending quite a bit of money actually redoing our website right now. But I also put, after we got the initial website set up, like we still have some of the same pages live now that I created eight years ago when I was messing around with WordPress after I figured out that, hey, this doesn't actually matter that much. Only eight years later, are we spending a pretty substantial amount of money redoing the website? Only because we found it matters less. What matters much more is that we are getting into conversations that allow us to earn the opportunity to work with more people. And I think that brings brings it back to a really interesting point, but to bring it back full circle, you mentioned right at the beginning of starting Happy New Year Career, 
a lot of it was about solving problems, but solving the problems that you were already doing. And for a lot of people that I speak to, a lot of our listeners here, there's so many things that you can be doing that can often be just distractions. You mentioned the website piece. And I think we've both been on record now and talking in this podcast about spending way too much time on websites initially. Clearly we've all spent too much time <laughs> on the website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, it so much comes back to the, those pieces of how are you utilizing your strengths to essentially go back and solve the, those problems. And this podcast is called how to become a career coach, but how are you going back and solving those problems to help people through those career changes? But when it comes down to it, there's so many other pieces that you're helping out people through these change processes do. And you only really begin to know that by having those conversations initially with those individuals. And so for anybody who's listening today, if you are already working with clients, either in a free or, free or paid capacity, the first thing that you can do today, if you're listening right now, is go get yourself a client, whether they be paid again or free. And the reason is that Scott mentioned here is that what it does is allow you to really get into the aspects of what's it feel like to become a coach, learn your own style. But here's the part about acting that Scott was, I believe you're mentioning earlier, if that's right, Scott. For the doing part, that's what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely where the rubber meets the road. And here, let me give you a way to think about that. I didn't realize this at the time, but let's say that you find yourself in a similar situation to what I was, where I was you know, having coffee over Starbucks, and maybe it's more difficult to do that in COVID times, but you're talking to a friend and yeah, they say, hey, I would really love some help. Would you have a conversation with me or could I buy you coffee or can you tell me about that in whatever form? So you go and you talk about that and an easy set of language to use might be, yeah, I would absolutely love to help with that. And that's something that I am doing on the side of my work. And I would love to be able to support you in any way that makes sense. Why don't we have a conversation? I'll help out in any way I possibly can. And then if you decide that you want more help, we can talk about what specifically that would look like. And what that does for you is during that conversation, it gives you permission to help as much as you possibly can and keep the emphasis on really legitimately supporting them in a way that's good. It also puts some natural boundaries and organic you know, points in place where afterwards, after that conversation, you can come back and say, hey, did you find this helpful? Is this something that you need more of? What specific areas do you feel like you would like more help with? Is that something you'd like to continue to talk about? I could help you understand what exactly that would look like for us to work together to help with those particular areas. Hmm. And maybe they say, hey, you know what? I definitely need some resume help, or I definitely need some interview help, or it would be great to understand how I could reach out to other people to blah, blah, blah. And you can just recite those back to them and say, you know what? With the interview help, that's absolutely something I'd be thrilled to do why don't we schedule another conversation to be able to talk about what exactly that would look like? And I can make some recommendations for how I think it would help best. And then if that's something you want to do, amazing. And if it's not, that's totally okay too. And then that allows you to move into what many people would call a sales call. We don't 
we don't call them sales calls that happen to your career. And we don't want the emphasis on sales to be really very honest. And Philip, I know you've talked about this on the podcast from time to time, but we call them help calls because we want the emphasis to be on help first and foremost. And any sales that we make, we want that to be the natural byproduct of us doing an amazing job figuring out how we can support that person and that person feeling really good that we're the right people for them as well. So that puts you right in that position to be able to have that type of conversation where they're asking for it with their permission and they want you to be able to figure out, hey, does this make sense for me to pay you or you to continue to help me? So that's a little tidbit for how you can actually do that with some actual language too. So I guess, thank you, Scott, for coming onto the podcast today, but thanks for coming on the show. And just to make sure that people, I know, often at the end of this podcast, I ask, how can people find you or get to know you more? And I know you're on record of saying that here, but just in case for anybody who, this might be their first episode, where can people find out more about you or how can people get in contact with you? Everything we do is at happentoyourcareer.com. We have links to all of our career coach tools. We have links to our programs, our professional career coach training program. We have all of our podcasts that we run and produce, which are amazing resources, whether they, we actually have a huge uh, number of career coaches around the world mm-hmm. listen to our Happen to Your Career podcast and share those resources with their clients. That's something I've been told many hundreds of times over and over again. And so we've got a whole huge wealth of tools and resources over at happentoyourcareer.com. But that's the best place. That's the home base. You can also of course, search for how to become a career coach, this podcast on any podcast player, wherever, or happen to your career on any podcast player, they'll pop right up and you can subscribe right then and there. And then they'll just download in your sleep. Those are the best ways to get, get at it. Awesome. Thank you again, Scott, for coming on the podcast, dropping the knowledge, but also giving people some real actual pieces to go out there and really start coaching for real. So Again, thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening to the podcast today. So on that note, we'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.